Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the Skate Podcast, talking Bruins hockey with WEI Bruins writers Scott McLaughlin, Bridget Prue, and Brian DeFelice. Lace them up for some beast talk. It's Odyssey's The Skate Pod on WEI. Woo! Welcome to episode 236 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Prue and Scott McLaughlin. Bridget and Scott. Bruins get a win last night against the Florida Panthers at the TD Garden. Some storylines to take away from it, but let's get into the opening shifts and start with you, Scott. Yeah, well, Bruins are uh, going to be a bit shorthanded on defense for a little while. Um, Matt Grizzlick got injured in the first period of Monday night's game. Some sort of upper body injury. I, I rewatched all of his shifts and could not find like a clear injury. There was a he did kind of get tangled up near the goal post and sort of got knocked down from behind. So it might've been something there, but he had like four or five shifts after that. Uh, but either way, he did not return to the game and Jim Montgomery said he's expected to miss a couple weeks. Uh, and then Charlie McAvoy later in the game hits Oliver Ekman Larson in the head, gets a five minute major and a match penalty deserved in my opinion. Uh, had a hearing with the Department of Player Safety on Tuesday. We are recording this around 5 p.m. Tuesday. And as of this very moment, no word on a potential suspension yet, but I think we all expect some sort of suspension. Um, so they could be without him on top of Grizzly for a couple games, which brings about some some interesting decisions as far as what they're going to do on defense, which I know we're going to, to get into more, but you could see Mason Lorai's NHL debut. He certainly is one of the names to watch when it comes to potential players to call up from Providence. 
Yeah, for me, it's it's the story here is a 8-0-1 start to the regular season for the first month. Uh, now that October is coming to a close here, a lot of turnover with the roster in the offseason, a lot of expectations for this team to foul off. And while they haven't played perfect hockey um, at all, even throughout this this month of hockey, like defensively and in that they've been great, but offensively and just chemistry-wise, it's been a little Jekyll and Hyde, but they've been getting getting the job done. So um, 8 0 one first place in the Eastern Conference, first place in the Atlantic. They got, you know, three, four points cleared on a, the, the teams behind them, right behind them. Um, so that's that. That's that's my takeaway through the first month now that we're heading into November here. Just uh, undefeated in the regulation and Pavel Zaka being the guy to put the icing on the cake last night after, you know, a good month of hockey but not a ton of production for him. Hopefully that's that's a sign of good things to come for him. And my opening shift is the big story of today, which is the fact that Jim Montgomery announced this morning that Matt Patra will be remaining with the team. I don't think any of us are surprised by that. I think it would have been a huge shock if they had gone the other way. But just knowing how his teammates have already really grown to trust him, the coaching staff has grown to trust him. He has absolutely earned his spot. And so um, probably a big relief for him today, though I think everybody kind of knew what was coming. Um, the fact that last night he was playing on the same line with David Posternock shows you that they trust him um, to help create offense for this team. So we're going to get into that a lot later, but just kind of a sigh of relief. We know now um, what something that has been a big question mark from the beginning of the season and has been a progressing storyline that it kind of has a happy ending today, even though things could change throughout the season, he is safe. And I think everybody's happy with that. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think Jim Montgomery might've announced that before they even officially told Patra um, because he was asked, you know, how did you break the news to him? And he said, I haven't talked to him yet today. And so um, I think there was still like another meeting with Don Sweeney after uh, after Montgomery's presser at Morning Skate, but uh, I think uh, Montgomery almost broke the news several times earlier this week because he just was praising him and praising him and praising him, and he was really like throwing out there like all of these things. And then um, after in the post game press conference after the Florida game, he goes, "I was told I need to be less effusive with my compliments to him because he's kind of like." you know, if for whatever reason, Don Sweeney decided to not keep him, like it was kind of undermining <laughs> that situation. But um, it was pretty obvious that those two get along well already. Um, and, you know, we also heard comments from Marshawn last night after the game and his praise could not have been higher for Patra. He said, this is going to be a guy that's in the NHL for a long time. Talked about how he was a nice kid. Everybody likes being around him. Really nothing bad to say about him between off the ice and on the ice stuff. So if your captain is giving you this nod and your coach is giving you this nod, you have to know that upper management is probably right there with them. Yeah, clearly. And, you know, Jim Montgomery said it on Tuesday. He said he's earned it with his play. Um, you know, acknowledge that like, there's no guarantees for the entire rest of the season. But for now, he said he's helping us win hockey games. That's the most important thing, right? Right. So, yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, he also highlighted how every time they thought Potra might have been getting to like some sort of wall where, as Montgomery said, 
Um, you know, we thought this might be too much, whether it was exhibition, these nine games, he just always finds a way to be like, and he kind of paused and then he was like, he belongs. He just belongs. And it's like, that's sort of all you have to say about it. Um, you know, we haven't seen anything that would indicate that he doesn't belong. And that's, by the way, even coming after a game where he had a bad turnover that led to a goal, Florida's second goal was a brutal D zone turnover by Patra. And I, I loved that Montgomery didn't bench him, like even for the rest of the period. That was, uh, I think, with uh, it was like under five minutes left in the first. And Montgomery easily could have just benched him even just for the rest of the period and like, you know, gone up to him between periods and reset then. He made sure to get Patra out for another shift before the period was even over. And I thought Patra responded well and played played well the rest of the game. Um, you know, another thing Montgomery highlighted was just, he was asked about like his grit and his compete level. And he said, I think that's the number one reason why he's going to play a 10th game is because of that. You know, said, like, you see the IQ, you see the skill, but that's what puts it over the top. Like, that's what makes the IQ and the skill really pop is when you also have the compete level. I couldn't agree with that anymore. And, you know, the goal that he played a factor in uh, giving, you know, giving the puck away to Barkov, you know, first of all, and we'll probably get into this a little bit, although we're not going to dissect the entire 60 minutes, but the Bruins were awful in that first period it was one of the worst periods of hockey i've seen them play honestly dating back to even the beginning of last season it was uninspired it was sloppy it was slow poorly executed and it's it's like uh i just want to double check here you're playing the team that knocked you out of the playoffs last year right the team that embarrassed you and made made you a cautionary tale in front of the whole hockey world you, that's the team you're playing right now okay just 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 checking um and you know potra's giveaway there may have been a little bit of a 2023 stick foul that Barkov may have gotten away with there, a little slash in the stick, hands up, cough the puck up, and then but either way, you know, and then McAvoy had I don't know what he was doing in front of the net there. Um, so just all all around, it was the, the entire team was playing like shit. And I think that why would you why would you damn one player that's 19 years old when everybody else is playing just as bad, if not worse? So uh, I agree with you, Scott. It was a good coaching moment for Montgomery to, you know, he may have even gone right back to the faceoff circle after they giving up that goal. Yeah, they they did. They they stayed with that line on the ice. Mm. So I just I love that, you know, like just allow him to to grind through it and just shake it off and and literally live the next shift and, and realize it's going to get better. So um, yeah, great great story for the Bruins. Great story for for Patra. And yes, he deserves. Every accolade he's gotten along the way through preseason in the first ten nine games, and and look forward to watching going forward. Now, I don't I don't want to like sound like I'm crazy here because I don't I don't think that I'm far off on this, but I want your opinions on it. When deciding to like looking at it this way, if they had decided to not keep Patra, this isn't a a championship team, but with Patra with with another uh, second line center. Scott, you're I'm echoing because of you, Scott. <laughs> Mute yourself. Um, usually that happens. Usually it's you that we echo off of you. Nope. Mute uh, yourself. <laughs> Bridget, can you would you would you mind just you know restating from from scratch there? 
I will, and hopefully I do it more eloquently this time <laughs> without an echo. <laughs> so uh, in my mind, I'm thinking, how much would it hurt this team if they don't keep Patra? And to me, I boiled it down to, this is not a championship team without Patra, like without a second line center or what as at times looked like the first line, which was put together for a lot of the game against Florida, which was Zaka over at the wing, Patra and Pasta. That is a solid line. And that is a huge contribution. If you can get him to perform at that level and make that line effective and, and create offense there, that is the difference between having holes in your roster that could hurt you in the playoffs and actually legitimately having a chance. And we have seen it throughout the beginning part of the season. And I, in my opinion, I want to get yours too. This isn't a championship team without him on it. If as long as he holds up and is playing the same way he played through the first nine games. Yeah, I, I agree. Like it's, it's still early to say like, Oh, he's going to be, you know, like a true difference maker in the playoffs or part of a championship formula this season. But you're right. Like it, it would, had they sent him down, it would, I feel like not just for fans or like us covering the team, but I think for the team, for the players, like it would have been almost deflating. Like, like it would have been because they all, they all know, they know he's helping them win games right now. So it's like, what kind of message would it send if you sent him back? And, it, you know, obviously they would try to make the argument about we're just looking out for his development and here's what we want him to work on. And here's why we think it's bad. Like they would obviously have, there would be some sort of PR spin, but in, in the room, like guys would obviously look around and be like, that kid was helping us win. Like why, why don't, why aren't we keeping him around? Like, why did we just actively make our team worse? So yeah, there was the more he kept building one good game on top of another, like the less and less of a decision it became. And yeah, nothing was official until Montgomery announced it, but realistically, like we knew a few games ago, I mean, you know, I, I wrote it after the game in Anaheim that that was his, that was the game that we're going to look back on as like, that's where he officially stuck in the NHL. And that was game five, I believe. So I think it was pretty safe to say then that he was sticking. I guess maybe if like he really struggled the four games after that, there might be a conversation to be had, but he didn't. So there really wasn't. Yeah. And you know, if, if they sent him back and I know we want to speak this into existence or blame the Bruins for something that they clearly aren't doing, but it's like, you'd be, you'd be putting over, you'd, you'd be putting the, the quote unquote development of a player over the betterment of your hockey team at the, at the pro level. It's like, that's their job is to make the team as good as possible. And he has been integral in the, in the, in the team success so far this year, especially because Bridget, you mentioned like, you don't look, is this Bruins team a championship team? Obviously that, that remains to be seen. Um, but championship teams, they they can't be without certain positions adequately filled, right? Like, can there be a Stanley Cup championship team that has, like, a deficiency on, like, third-line wing or, like, maybe not the best, like, sixth defenseman? Sure. But, like, they make up for it elsewhere? Yeah, that happens. 
right? But you can't not have, you know, you know, a number one and number two center, right? And and, and Charlie Coyle from an offensive production standpoint, uh, his ceiling isn't that. Now you could look at their roster right now and, you know, Coyle's got six points and Potra's got five, but it's like, you know, obviously, you know, played out over 82. The ceiling is just not there long-term. So, yeah. And, and like the narrative, the narrative about the, the development thing I've been pushing back on since preseason that it would be helpful for him to go down in any way. Like that's not helpful for his development. It actually would hurt his development because you want to see how he handles and how he adapts to NHL uh, speed, the size of NHL players, the intensity of the NHL. It would be bad for his development to go down. So like there really would be no argument to be made there. Um, And you want to know what his ability to play as a top two center on this team has allowed more flexibility at wing because the net, like the, the most recent shoot to drop was that Pavel Zaka now transitions back over to the left side. And now you have an option to, to keep what is like the check line from last year, just insert Potter instead of Krejci. And that was an effective line. So you get that versatility where you don't have to force Zaka into a center role. You can have him play wing and play with pasta and that still be an effective uh, location for, for Zaka. So, and you know what, that, that line of Marshawn, Coyle and DeBrusque also, uh, I, I like how that line looks as well. And you're not able to, to do those two combinations without being able to have uh, Potra there and Zaka on the wing. So you really loaded your, your top six because of that. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see if they keep that combination together, and if so, how long. Uh, I do think part of the line changes Monday night were that in the first period when it was a Ben Reamsdyke, Coyle DeBrusque line, I, I don't think they were doing a good enough job against the Kachuk line, which was kind of what they were that, they were that line being used in that, in that matchup. And so I think getting Marsh in there makes that a much better defensive line. And then you saw them be better in that matchup as the game went on. So I think that was part of the shuffling and that lead that opens the door for 
someone else to move up to the Pasternak line if Marshan's on your defensive matchup line. And that's how you get, you know, Potcher between Zaka and Pasternak. Um, I guess I'm okay with Zaka sliding over to the wing here and there in certain situations when the game calls for it. I wouldn't want to see that long-term because I still think that one of the most important things you can do this season is figure out what you have in, in Pavel Zaka as a center. Because I think by the end of this year, I, I want the Bruins to have a pretty good idea as to whether Zaka and Patra can be the top two centers going forward. And obviously that can't really happen if they're playing on the same line and Zaka's on the wing. So for, you know, a period and a half or two periods during a game, certain situations, totally fine. Like no, no problem with it, but long-term I still want to see Zaka as a center. Yeah, I, I would agree. Bridget, do you have a follow-up on that? I agree half, but disagree a tiny bit because um, I like the way that line looks. And I feel like obviously there's still time to be, to build chemistry. If you put Jake DeBrusque on the left wing with um, Patro or, you know, you, you rotate those, that, that combination around, but I like that line. Like I just, if it gives you the best chance to win, why don't you stick with that? until you have to go away from it. Like, I, I, that's my thought on it. I actually, when I saw him push Zaka to wing, I had been wondering whether or not that was going to happen for a few games because it almost makes other things fall in line, I feel. Um, I know you want to see what you have in him as a number one center, but for whatever reason, I feel like chemistry-wise, it solves problems. And that it could be a good option for them. I I know what you mean, Scott, and I, I completely understand the wanting for him to be um, in the mix for your no, number one center potentially. But I just like the chemistry that was there. Well, here, here's my other counter. They used Marshan Coyle DeBrusque as a line to start the season. They were together on opening night. Why didn't that combination last? I think it didn't last because there also was just the rest of the lineup didn't kind of fall into place either. Like Patra, I, I, well, I would third line center wasn't the best usage of him. Well, I would also say part of the reason it didn't last is because Coyle wasn't driving enough offense between Marshan and DeBrus. Now that that line scored a goal Monday night, so that's obviously very encouraging. But long term, I would say I I would still have those concerns about whether Charlie Coyle is capable of driving enough offense as a number two center. I also think though, that Marshawn had kind of a slow start and as he picks things up that that could become less of an issue. So, and and we know that Marshawn can drive offense on a line. Like if he's, if he needs to be the driver on that line, he can be. And we've seen DeBrusque do it at times as well. I don't think Charlie Coyle slows them down. So I'm, I'm personally, I liked the look of it. And Jim Montgomery is someone who changes his combinations all the time. So they're never going to just stick to one combination, but I like how it looks. So, Yeah, I, I think there's reasons to like it. And I think you guys both bring up good points. Um, I 
for some of the reasons Scott mentions, like I kind of want to see, and and I know you want to take things one year at a time because that's all you can really do. But as far as the future of this franchise, I do want, I know Charlie Coyle's not a number one center. Um, and I don't think he's a number two center either. But I do want to see if the Bruins need to address center outside of the organization because they don't feel like they have what they have. And a big part of that and find that out is giving Zaka that opportunity. Um, the other thing I would say is that um, Bridget, the line of Patra, Pasternak, and, and, uh, and, and Zaka, like that line could be the greatest line to ever play hockey. I just – I don't feel comfortable, and I guess that's the best way I can describe it. I don't feel comfortable with Charlie Coyle as my second line center because because if you put Zaka to the wing, you're you're taking away some of that center depth that Potter has now given you. And I think that this team overall is better situated if Coyle is on that third line. But I'm not saying I don't want to maybe see what you guys are talking about, what you're what you're uh, referencing for a little bit, and and you can certainly play Zaka on the wing here and there and bump Coyle up. I just think long-term, I think it helps the Bruins find out what they have at center. And I think short-term, I think it helps this offense be sorted where it needs to be because now Charlie Coyle is a third-line center, which I think is where he should be on a, on a really strong team. Another thing that makes me like Zuck on the wing, though, is that it allows you to split some of your top players from not being on the same line because they had been playing Marshawn and Pasternak on the same line. And then the way that they have the combinations, like we've just been describing, those two guys are on opposite lines. So you match up wise, um, you you might be able to take advantage of that a little bit. Who um, um who's your uh who's your third line center in a situation where Zaka's on the wing and Coyle's number two? Who's your third line center? Geeky? They had Geeky and they had they had Frederick taking some of the face-offs, they had Geeky there. Um, yeah, I don't know if I, but I, don't I also know if I love don't that think either. The geeky, but but see, like, it kind of solved the problem that they had Geeky playing in the, the top six where he's probably more suited for a third line role. I don't know. I thought it solved that problem. We'll see. I want to see it more honestly, just to see like if there's so much chemistry or offense that comes from it, does that override the, the need to have Zaka play a majority of the time at center? Like if you kept him at wing for say like 60% of the time and he's still centered a little bit like still centered sometimes on different nights or um at different points I I don't know <laughs> I think it's I think it's fun to talk about and I think it's like I said it's there's nothing wrong with them trying it and see how see how things stick and, and look for different looks look for different chemistry I think in the in the scenario that you paint I don't know if I'm sold on coil as a two and I don't know if I'm sold on Frederick slash Geeky as a third third line center, but if it's Zaka and then Patra and then Coyle, I feel more comfortable with those guys in those positions to do what they need them to do. Um, but, I mean, I love the conversation. It's, I, I, I didn't – yeah, I mean, it's definitely fun to talk about. Yeah, and, and another thing I would say is, like, the idea of kind of loading up the top line, you know, having Marsha and Pasternak together, I don't – I don't hate having that, but you need to have a second line going, obviously. So a key part of that to me is how Potter and DeBrusque develop chemistry. Like I, I want to see them together more because they're going to be, if 
if your top line ends up being Martian, Zaka, Pasternak, which it had been for a couple games before this most recent change, then Potter and DeBrusque have to be the two driving the second line. And then if they are, and if they find good chemistry and they're playing well together, then you can figure out who fits with them out of Van Riemsdyk, Geeky, Frederick. You can try different options. But those two are like the essential pieces of that line. So we've seen them together a little bit. I think there's been some encouraging signs, but obviously like we're only talking about a few games. So it's not, you know, how like how they're going to look together in the long term over the course of an entire season remains to be seen. Because if if they don't click and you know that they're okay, but they're not really producing a ton, then yeah, you probably have to split up Marshan Pasternak and spread out that scoring. Yeah. And I feel like we haven't seen the chemistry develop with DeBrusque yet. And and maybe that's because they haven't found the, the right other piece on that line to go next to them. I thought it was interesting because before the game, Montgomery was asked about kind of maybe throwing, I don't want to call Frederick an enforcer because he's not an enforcer in, in like the traditional sense, but like somebody that can step up and, and kind of protect Patra because Patra had been getting run a little bit the previous games and he said he had been practicing with Frederick because they want to add a little bit of edge to that line and, and try to protect Potter a little bit more. So we didn't see that combination. Scott, did they even play a single shift together um, as a line uh, with, I think, what was the practice line to brusque Potter Frederick or something like that? Uh, it was, it was Frederick Potter geeky. And yeah, they started the game together, but Obviously, what with just as poorly as the whole team played in the first period, they got split up along with the other two, you know, top three lines. So, um, yeah, they, they worked together to start, but it didn't last very long. Yeah, I think you need Patra as the playmaker and then like two wings that are finishers, um, to be next to him. And I don't know if I'd call Frederick that, especially the reasoning to put him there. I know you don't want posture to get run but like I feel like in this sense it doesn't necessarily like putting Frederick there doesn't necessarily stop that it just I don't if it discourages it at all it's not a lot I mean it what it does is like it gives them someone who can at least respond like Patrick gets hit from behind like he did in the neutral zone a couple games ago Frederick's there to challenge whoever threw the hit like that I think that's more the idea Maybe it at least forces guys to think twice, but um, yeah, I mean, the, the thing, like, I think Frederick can be a finisher. I, you know, I think he has a pretty good shot. Um, but the other part of this, and like I mentioned it a few games ago, this is one of my opening shifts. I just think Frederick and Coyle are so good together that, like, I don't, I don't like the idea of ever really splitting them up. It seems like they always do better together than, than apart on different lines. So, you know, I think Patra and Fred, like uh, a DeBrusque, Patra, Frederick line could work. Like that could be two finishers along the lines of, of what you're talking about. But I don't know, Frederick and Coyle works. Like I, I kind of just feel like they should be together on your third line. And, you know, maybe it ends up being, JVR, Patra, and DeBrusque. Like maybe 
what if it this this popped into my head too i don't know i don't want to get too far into the weeds in this but like jvr patra pasta that brings pasta to a separate line as marshawn and then you can keep marshawn zaka debrusque yeah i mean the marshan and zaka is a combination we don't really discuss too often uh, and i don't think it's one we've really seen so in that situation that's what you'd be you'd be getting bridget right and the idea is because I feel like you guys have mentioned like Patra is kind of the, you know, de facto Krejci comparison with his vision and stuff like that. And then Zaka is kind of the, you know, the the subtle two-way center that can maybe somewhat be something of what Bergeron gave you. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I do think that right now the Bruins value pasta, uh, pasta and Zaka's chemistry that they've formed over the last year plus um and that's kind of trumping anything to do with zaka and, and martian scott i don't know if you have any different feedback i wouldn't mind seeing it at some point i think you'll have to see a little bit of everything at different points for one reason or another yeah i think it's exactly what you said like i think they they like what zaka and potsonak have and i think those two like playing together um but yeah, you know, they've tried just about everything else. So it does seem like inevitably Montgomery will probably juggle things up in some way that leads to uh, Zaka and Marshan together without Pasternak. And, you know, maybe it's a Patra Pasternak. You mentioned like JVR, like that can make sense there. Um, yeah, no matter what, it, it, I guess the overriding theme here is that Lines still very much not settled. Montgomery still just throws them in the blender. Like at really at like any bad period, they're getting thrown in the blender. And, you know, this early in the season, I don't really mind it. Like, I, I just find it funny that like he, but going into the season, he was talking about how like he wants to give lines a little more time and not change things up as much as last year. And like, he just can't help himself. And Again, to me, this early in the year, it's fine. It's like I don't have an issue with it. I just think it's funny that he said he wanted to do the opposite, and now he's still just throwing people all over the place. Yeah, I made the joke to Matt Vittor, who is the uh, Mass Live Bruins reporter, and he he was sitting next to me. And I was like, it's like the lottery. Like, you put everybody's number in, and then they just pop three ping pong balls out and it's like okay that's the line right now just like and he's like oh or it's like a slot machine where you know you pull the lever and just whatever it spins and lands on that's the line but um i i think that i i do actually want to see that combination of van reamsdyke patra's um pasta because van reamsdyke is great net front he could be great at screening goalies uh and obviously we know how great a shot pasta has so that could kind of give him an advantage on the wing shooting and also van reams like puck retrieval in front of the net could pop a rebound back out to pasta or he could grab a rebound off the pads and put it in on a, on a pasta shot and then you have um patra as like the the setup guy and someone that goes to the net as well so in theory like that could be a good line yeah, it could be. And I think we look forward to seeing that combination at some point, hopefully. And and as you guys have mentioned, a lot of other ones. So um, another area where there's going to be some personnel jumbling is on the blue line. And that's because one of the biggest storylines, other than 
the come from behind win over Florida. But from that from that game is is Charlie McAvoy likely facing supplemental discipline, and I mean, pretty tough, pretty tough hit. I don't know, what, I don't know what 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 Charlie was thinking there. It was textbook, you know, interference and headshot. It was just, you know, it's not, it wasn't a good hit. I'm literally yeah. like refreshing to make sure that what always happens to us doesn't happen to us. Like five minutes after we get done recording, it's like McAvoy suspended for two games. Like I keep refreshing because I'm like, please come. If the news no. comes down that I want it to Bridget. be during the pod so I can like find it and say it, but. Nope. Don't even bother. We're, we're going to finish recording around 6 PM Tuesday and it is going to be announced at 6 15. So you, you, don't, you don't have to refresh time. Twitter. You don't. You don't have to worry about it. It's happening between the end of recording and when it posts. Absolutely it is. There's been a time that the time that Cassie got fired, we had to re-record an entire episode like 20 minutes after. <laughs> oh, that was so bad. Um, but I think that either way, our point will stand that it was worth a suspension. So whether or not he gets suspended or not, I think our opinion is that it easily uh, would fit the bill for a hit to the head that's worth supplemental discipline and he's not like a repeat offender so i don't know what your thoughts are on time frame i thought well, maybe i mean he do- does have history he does have one suspension and it was for a hit to the head so yeah. um that was the the columbus series back in 2019 yeah um, it's been a while though i think that they i think they kind of reset things uh depending on how often and, and how far back behind no, so that's only for the the amount that he can be fined. The any suspension or fine stays on your record forever. So that the the repeat offender thing is just about the amount of money you get fined. So really, um, that's yeah, actually, that, that's good that you point that out because that's actually I thought that it applied to both. Nope that that suspension against Columbus will be taken into account. I can pretty much guarantee it. Um, so, so yeah, does I mean, that mean if, you think it's going to be more than two? Yeah, all day I've been thinking three or four. Um, you know, I mean, that there's been two recently. Connor Clifton, old friend, got suspended two games, and then Rasmus Anderson and Calgary got four, and they were both, you know, they're both kind of like clear hits to the head. Anderson's look did look more vicious and had more elbow directly to the head. So I think that's why that was the longer of the, of those two. I've kind of thought McAvoy maybe splits the difference, but his was also much later than both of those. Both of those were on guys who like just got rid of the puck. Mac, you know, McAvoy's like Eggman Larson had gotten rid of the puck well before McAvoy got there. Like it was, it was quite late. So that won't help him. So um, yeah, obviously, you know. I probably don't need to get too much into the amount because as, as I said, it's going to come out as soon as we're done recording and we're going to know the amount. Um, but yeah, you know, the, so now it becomes, you know, it's obviously the double whammy because Grizzly is going to miss a couple of weeks, according to Montgomery. So you're now down. What was your top pairing? Um, you know, they finish out the game with Lindholm, Carlo, Forbert, Shattenkirk, they were not carrying any extra defensemen, so they do have call-ups to make, and those will probably become official either Tuesday night or, or certainly Wednesday before they hit the ice for practice at 11 a.m. Um, 
Mark, friend, friend of the pod, Mark Allred from uh, Black and Gold tweeted, and Mark Diver, another friend of the pod, has now kind of confirmed this, that Mason Laura, Ian Mitchell, and Parker Wotherspoon did not travel with the Providence Bruins on their road trip. So that certainly leads you to believe those are the three, you know, at least two of them, possibly all three who are coming up. So I would anticipate, you know, expecting Grizzly and Magaba to be out of the lineup. Laura and Mitchell probably go in. We've obviously already seen Mitchell for a couple of games this season. Laura had a great preseason, great training camp, lasted all the way to the final cut. So, you know, if he's getting called up, he's obviously playing. He's not the seventh defenseman. Um, so I'm curious, you know, what you guys think as far as where, where you put those guys, because I look at it and I say, Lorai in preseason and in camp was usually with either Carlo or McAvoy. So I'm going to put him with Carlo because he's played with him a little bit. Lindholm and Shattenkirk have played together a little bit this season and um, have had encouraging results. Actually, they've played, uh, I think, 24 minutes together and shot attempts of 38 to 19 in favor of the Bruins when they've been on the ice. So, um, you know, they might have played together a little bit in Anaheim too. So I would put those two together, and then I guess that leaves you Forbert Mitchell as probably your third pair. Yeah, I would I would agree with those decisions, Scott. And for me, this whole situation just it sucks, right? Like McAvoy's out, Grizzlick's out. Those are two good defensemen for you, obviously. And you have Toronto coming into town on Thursday. But you know, the way I the way I see it is that it's opportunity. You can look at it and be like, oh, the Bruins are gonna play Toronto without a couple of their key, you know, top defensemen, certainly one of their top players in general, top players in the league in McAvoy. But again, here's opportunity knocking for Mason Lowry to come in and show what he can do. Uh, and and I also think it's opportunity for for Hampus Lindholm. Like I've, I've said many times uh, in the first month, I, I haven't loved his start. Um, there are some analytics that will probably prove me wrong in that sense, but I, I look at some key numbers and just the eye test, and I don't think Lindholm has played up to snuff for what he can do. And, okay, so McAvoy's out. Now you got to be that guy again, just like he was last year to start the season, and he was that guy. Is that what it takes to get him going? Maybe you turn the count the, the the page on a, a new month. Maybe that gets him going too. But um, I see opportunity for Lori. I see opportunity for for Hampus Lindholm to 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 play big roles um, in what I would say would be the next three or four games that leaves without McAvoy. And look, if if Grizzlick's out for multiple weeks and Lori steps in and plays really well, you know this could be that natural time where it's like if Lori's playing well and Grizzlick's healthy to come back in the lineup. Does he automatically kick Laurie back down to Providence just because Grizzlick's Grizzlick? I don't think that should be how it works. So if I'm Mason Laurie and I'm Hampus Lindholm, I see a big opportunity in front of me right now. I I'm just like with Scott, like when and first of all, usually when we ask post-game about a player's health like update, we get like we don't know yet, we're getting it looked at. With Grizzlick, he definitively said it's looking like multiple weeks and that's I I find that concerning just because a lot of the times they are not willing to put a timeline on it right away um and the fact that he said it's looking like a couple weeks makes me think that maybe it gets you know it, it could it could be longer is what I what I kind of just got the feeling of 
there's no, you know, there's no reporting on exactly if he's going to end up on IR or, or what's going on with him at this point. But my original thought uh, was that first call up would be Lori and that Lori Carlo would be the, the obvious um, first place to start as a pairing for, you know, rotating, assuming McAvoy is also out. And then if you bring in Ian Mitchell, you kind of just have to slot him in where it makes sense. And I do think it makes more sense next to Forbert. So I, I think Scott kind of nailed those pairings and what they might look like. I don't really, honestly, we saw him a little bit in preseason, but where the spoon, I don't, I don't know what the idea would be there, but if you're holding all three of them out, that means you're thinking that you're going to need at least two of them probably. Cause otherwise, you know, you probably only, hold two back from their traveling so uh I, I'd be excited to see L'Oreal so if he plays well then that puts pressure on Forbert probably um and and kind of jumps him ahead of Ian Mitchell whereas we know Ian Mitchell started out with the Bruins but already has been waived so uh it, it creates a different dynamic on on defense there notable to mention and maybe he's injured maybe he's just been playing not great but Zaboro not getting called up is, I mean, is there anything going on there? Is he just like, he's not playing well and he's getting jumped in line by players. Yeah. I, I don't know that he's off to the, to the best arm Providence, but part of it also might be that he has the biggest cap hit out of all of these guys. And that can be a factor, especially if they want to call up three guys, which they probably maybe not necessarily for Thursday, but they probably want to for the road trip because usually you like having at least one extra forward and one extra defenseman with you. That way, you know, if something happens, you don't have to worry about flying someone out on short notice and all that stuff. Um, If they're going to call a ball three, it probably requires Grizzly going in long-term IR um, because McAvoy's cap hit stays on the books even while he's suspended. So you know, that doesn't, you still have to work around that. So um, that could be a factor here is just that Zaboro has a little bit higher of a cap hit and those other guys are all under a million dollars. Um, but yeah, it's uh, certainly, you know, McAvoy did not, did not do his team any favors and put them in, put them in a really tough situation in the game, obviously, a, you know, tie game in the third period and you just, hand Florida five minute power play. And, you know, we haven't really brought it up yet, but incredible job by Lena Solomark and the four defensemen who were left to kit, you know, to lead the way killing that. And obviously a, a rotation of forwards um, doing their part as well. But now, you know, you also put your team in a situation for a couple games, a few games moving forward um, and some tough matchups, you know, you're, you're, Thursday's your first matchup against Toronto, which looks like the team that's probably going to be your biggest challenger when it comes to, you know, potentially winning the division, getting the top seed there. Then you go on the road to Detroit again, off to get, you just saw them last weekend. They're off to a good start. And then at Dallas, who looks like one of the best teams in the league. So, you know, if McAvoy's missing potentially all three of those games, like that's, you know, it's not, not that there's ever a great time for, one of the five best defensemen in the league to get suspended. But this is a, you know, especially not, not a very good stretch for, for it to happen. 
Yeah, and he had just scored like an incredible goal right before that. And then all of a sudden you see him finishing this check that was, you know, it was pretty unnecessary um, and getting ejected and putting the team in a really bad situation with only, I believe when he took it, it there was like eight or so minutes left or maybe been, maybe 10 minutes left. Anyway, it was in the third period, um, and you already down Grizzlick at that point. So you're making your remaining defenseman, fellow defenseman, kill off a five-minute major and try to hold on because at that point the game was tied at two, and they do it. Like, that was a prime time for Florida to be able to to score and, and take the lead, and then, you know, game probably doesn't go to overtime or, you know, and – Paul Pazaka doesn't have a chance to score the, the overtime game winner. So it was such a tough position to be in. Um, and I, I wanted to make this point before I had written it in my notes, even before McAvoy got uh, ejected. And um, I just thought Brandon Carlo had probably his best game of the year. Uh, I thought he was in passing lanes and shooting lanes. He was reading everything very well. And he even made a save. <laughs> um, he pulled a, puck off the goal line and, and cleared it he was great on the penalty kill I think that he deserves a lot of credit and how they didn't break on defense with the adversity they were facing yeah and he was he he saw a lot of that Kachuk line and that's obviously a tough matchup that again in the first period you know Florida won all the matchups but yeah as the game went on Montgomery stuck with Carlo getting a lot of those shifts Obviously, they had to keep rotating defensemen, so it wasn't as strict of a matchup game. But, um, yeah, you know, he held up well, and I thought he, he played physical at times. You saw him mix, mixing it up a few times. Um, one thing I've seen more of from Carlo this season that I really like is him throwing reverse hits when four checkers are, are on his back. And, like, I remember, I feel like it was, like, a couple of years ago, Bruce Cassidy said he wanted to see Carlo doing more of that. And it like never really seemed to happen or it happened for a couple of games and then disappear. And I feel like I've been seeing that more pretty consistently this season. And I think that'd be a really good sign if that sticks around and becomes a regular part of his game, because, you know, we've talked like some of the injuries he suffered over the year. It's like, we talk about how, yeah, some of them are freak hits that, you can't really plan for or, or blame anyone for, but at the same time, it's like, can you, can you be a little more prepared for contact? And this year I feel like so far he, he has not, not just been prepared to take hits, but like actively, you know, initiating contact and, and bumping that forward off before he gets there. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Adidas. 
This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. So we're, we're coming up against it, guys, about 10 minutes left or so. I want to finish off with just your thoughts on the Bruins after the first month of the year. What have, what have the two of you learned about this team? Um, obviously, through nine games, they're 8-0-1. They're atop the East, atop the Atlantic. They're second in the NHL behind Vegas, who's 9-0-1. Um, the schedule has not been the toughest as far as opponents. The travel has been challenging. They had to go out west and play some different time zones and whatnot. Every team in the NHL is full of professional hockey players. So I don't buy into the whole, like, oh, you played you played Chicago twice, so of course you're going to beat them. Anybody – Chicago's going to get their wins this year. They they could beat Colorado and and what are you going to you know like they can beat anybody on any given day. Um, it's just a matter of frequency. But I personally and Bridget, you mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, uh, maybe not a few weeks ago, but a few episodes ago. November, November's schedule is a lot more challenging. Um, you know, you you played Toronto. It starts with Toronto. Scott, you mentioned it. You got Detroit again. You got Dallas. You have the Islanders who are stingy. You got Montreal a couple times that are playing well right now. You got Florida again. You got Tampa. You got the Rangers, right? So I think we'll probably learn more about how this team can play against, you know, the better competition in the league um, this coming month. That said, what have you learned about this team through the first month of the season? And and maybe I just kind of spoiled it a little bit, but what do you look forward to watching and learning about them uh, as we enter November? Well, I think one of the big things I've learned is just that there is not a hangover from last year uh, on on either front. Like they're they're not they didn't come into the year like so down on themselves because of the collapse that they get off to a slow start or they look unmotivated or what like obviously there's so many ways that last spring could negatively impact a team not just through the summer but like into the next season and I really feel like we're not seeing that like I think we're seeing a team with the right mindset that is is really very businesslike like they're they're just they're not dwelling on it and you know obviously like it's come up the most the last couple of days because Florida was on the schedule so everyone, these guys are all asked about it before the game. They're asked about it after the game. Does it mean anything extra? All that stuff. And I thought everyone answered, oddly enough, like the guy, the president probably made the most of it was Jim Montgomery when he, and it was only one quick comment. It's not like he went on and on, but he said, you know, it, it's more than one out of 82. Um, I didn't really think the rest of the Bruins kind of fed into that at all. Like I, I, you know, I think they just had like a professional approach to it of like, yeah, we know they ended our season, but there's nothing we can do about it. Like we can't change it. All we can do is just go play a regular season game. Um, you know, and I also think sort of the flip side is like, they're not 
overconfident because they've gone off to a slow start. Like, I, I think I never really thought that was there last year either, but maybe just kind of by human nature, it creeps in a little. And I think, you know, I don't think it's there now. Like, I don't think they're getting like, Ooh, you know, six and oh, like we're, we're, we're a great team or whatever. Like they weren't getting too far ahead of themselves. So I, I guess that's sort of the big thing, big takeaway for me is they seem to have a very good mindset and just mental approach to this season. And I think it's, I think it's part of why they're off to a good start and part of why I expect them to continue to play good hockey, even though I don't think they're going to continue getting points at a 90, 900 clip or whatever it is. No, probably not. Um, but to, to the fact that, you, you referenced after the game, um, all Mark saying when asked about, does it mean that anything more that the win comes against Florida? He said, I don't hold grudges. And then Marshawn said, I do hold grudges, but I put this one behind me. So I, that was kind of a quick, funny answer by him. I laughed. Um, he's like, I do hold grudges, which um, we all kind of knew already, but, uh, but that they weren't looking at it any differently than any other team against Florida. I would say my thoughts on your question, Brian, is that, this first month of the season has been, uh, been something that they can stand on in terms of building confidence, uh, building chemistry. You're starting to see that stuff come to the forefront. It's it's qu- Some questions have been answered, so there's a little bit more certainty with what this lineup could look like and how things might work, especially from before the season started. It bef- so remember where we were back before the preseason started. We didn't know exactly how the Bergeron and Krejci holes were going to get filled in this lineup. We didn't know what the fourth line was going to look like. We didn't know if Milan Lucic was, um, you know, still at the right NHL speed. We we had a lot of questions. Um, we, we knew the goaltending and the defense were going to be good. But the rest of the lineup, how it shook out, we we had a lot of questions remaining, including, like, I was geeky, you know, is Van Riemsdyk a little bit past his prime? Is And we've seen that for the better, those questions have all come back in a, in a positive way for the Bruins. So I think there's just a good base to build off of the rest of the way. And they're not going to win at this pace. But um, you can at least point back to a time where, guys, we can do this. Like, we've already done it. So there's, there's that. Yeah, and I, I think – yeah, to, to to your point, like I think what they've learned is that they that they will be okay post Bergeron, and I think that the biggest reason for that is because of the emergence of Matthew Patra. And it's like in the off season, I think what we're finding out is that Don Sweeney's Moneyball approach, as with, with like Jesper Boquist and Morgan Geeky potentially, you know, being some diamond in the rough on offensive producers for them in the middle six, like. You know, Geeky has a role to play. I don't think there's a huge ceiling for him offensively. I mean, maybe like 20, 30, I don't know. Like, but Boquist is down in Providence. So we were kind of, in the op, to your point, like before preseason, we were kind of thinking to ourselves, maybe Geeky can be this diamond in the rough. Like he he had like a really impressive, like uh, point total per 60 or something like that last year or something like that. And, and, and Boquist, we were like, oh, he's quick. Maybe he could be a, re- you know, reclamation project and, like like Zaka has been in Boston. I think what we're learning is like we, I mean, well, Bolquist is in Providence, and Geeky's like he's just a guy, 
And but thank God for Matthew Potra's existence because we've kind of like not really had to focus on those free agents that they brought in. Uh, he's been a breath of fresh air and a and a and a I don't know a franchise saver is strong, but he's definitely uh, he's definitely his 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 emergence has allowed the Bruins to remain where they want to be from a competitive standpoint. You could look, we could look back on this in a few years and, and that sentence you just said could be completely correct. Like he, he could be like, if you were able to extend him and he, and he turns out to be, you know, the next guy, the next center that's here for a long time, that's homegrown like Bergeron or Krejci, that really could be a, a sentence that's proven correct. Um, we saw what do, do, do you think, uh, you think Padres already jumped to the front of the line for the cup handoff from Marchand, or I don't think so. No, <laughs> I don't know about that, but I can tell you, uh, this might be the fir- the only time that I can remember where I think we might know in, in October who the Bruins, who Nesson's seventh player award could be. Like it's it it, it might be yeah. over before it started. True. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's gonna, you, it's gonna be hard for anyone if he sticks around all year and plays well. It's going to be extremely difficult for anyone to top him. Yeah, he and they don't they don't give cars anymore, do they? Because I feel like he probably needs a car, so maybe they'll bring that back for him. <laughs> like, he's he's out here in Boston. I don't know if he's got a car yet. Like he could probably. How about apartments? It. Do they give apartments for the seven yeah. player? Or- just yeah, just maybe a yeah, a house. I don't know. At least a car, right? Just give them a little something. Not that driving in the city is fun at all. I actually hate it more than pretty much anything else. But <laughs> we learned we we learned what he can do. We learned that Johnny Beecher was ready to play a fourth line center role. Uh, we had asked where does Jesper Boquist factor into the lineup. The answer was not at all as of right now. Um and. We've seen like the combination of grit and skill that the team has been able to put together. That was something that was mentioned um, by Montgomery as we had it in. So uh, we also just recently got the answer on whether or not Dan Heinen's on the team. So he finally got his contract. Um, what is it? Uh, one year, 775. It was league minimum, I think. Is Yes, exactly. So not a huge cap hit. So that helps a lot. Um, if, if he can play there, obviously injuries factored into him coming in. Still have no idea why it took so long. I don't know if you ever figured it out, Scott. But we see him come in, and I asked Montgomery a question about it after the game. How would you assess his first time um, playing this season? And he said he was rusty, which, you know, it's kind of to be expected. He's been practicing, and Montgomery says he's practicing well, but that's he hasn't played an NHL game in a while. So um, you're probably going to see that and and. He did come in and play defense um, in overtime. And I thought that was interesting and maybe almost backfired, uh, but it didn't because he actually was the other player on the rush for Zaka's goal. Uh, And Montgomery said he played him that way in college before when he needed help on on defense. And I guess he remembers that and was saying, oh, he still he still got it. We can do it again. And so maybe he made his case. He. it started out with like a, an insult, but then ended up with a compliment in Montgomery's assessment of him. So he's he's here, guys. We asked trick or treat, and I guess he got a treat instead of a trick. But you've been dealing with a trick for a while. Yeah, I know. I was just thinking. I I was about to wrap up the episode, and I was like, oh, we, we forgot to to mention that Heinen has been officially signed. But 
there was some other some other things to, to talk about, but yeah, that 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 is official, and uh, I'm sure he'll get better as as things go along. Bridget, yeah, Scott, I, mean, I mean that that's fine because the Bruins also forgot about Danton Heinen for a while. Yeah, so we weren't alone. So. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well said, Bridget and Scott. Do you guys have anything uh, before we wrap up here? Nope, I think I'm good. All right, me too. All righty. Thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you very soon. Hey, guys. Thank